Um, hi, I'm Christina. Um, okay, um, Lord, please help my testimony not be too unorganized. Amen. Um, so, um, basically, um, when, at the beginning of Lent, me and some of my friends back home decided to um, each fast something different. Um, and so, um, one of my friends fasted uh, this like one blogging website, another of my friends fasted alcohol completely, um, and, and for me, I decided to fast uh, the internet, um, <laughs> except for like email and, and school work, um, because, because I, I just realized that like I would, you know, for me, the internet is like I, I come back from like a long day at school and like I'm I'm just really overwhelmed by like learning about the law and I just want a way to like relax and unwind. You know, it's it's not like I was doing anything like bad on the internet, but it's just like there's so much information, there's so much like mindless entertainment, um, and it's just like a quick, easy way for me to be like, oh, okay, like don't have to think right now. Um, but but what it was doing, it was actually like taking time away um, from my life where like I could just sit before the Lord and like read the Bible and pray you know it's like it's like um, when we talk about our heart as a garden um, like our garden needs pruning and taking care of and it's like I just didn't have time to take care of my garden because I was like <laughs> going on the internet all the time um, and just like filling my head with all this useless stuff that in the end is not even gonna matter. Even in five years, it's not gonna matter. Um, and so I decided, okay, like Lord, I'm I'm gonna give this up. I, you know, all for you, Jesus. Like, take my whole heart. You know, and like this is a prayer that we pray a lot at J-Hob, and then I come every Saturday night, and I'm like, set a fire in my soul that I can't contain. You know, but as I um, testified last night, I would be praying this prayer for weeks and weeks, and and like yesterday, I realized. Um, as I was praying, like, God, change my appetites. I don't want to go through this 40 days, like, forcing myself not to watch TV shows and forcing myself to read the Bible. Like, God, I want you to change my appetites so that I actually don't even want any of that stuff, that I want to read the Bible, that I'm hungry for it. You know, change my appetites. And I realized as I was praying that there was still a part of my heart that was like, actually, God, only change 90% of it and, like, leave a little bit, you know, leave a little bit of my heart dull, just a little bit, you know, and like leave a little bit of my heart complacent and not alive because like, why? Because I was scared. I was like, I'm scared of what might happen if God really does radically change my life, you know, and, and I, I think I pinpointed like three fears or like the Lord highlighted them to me, okay? Fear number one, I have a fear of like confronting my own barrenness and my own emptiness. Like what happens when I take away all the props that I use to prop up my soul, you know, all the distractions, what happens when I take that away and like, and I, I give that up and in the space of time before like God comes and fills my heart with him and the superior pleasures, in that space of time when I've just given everything away, what, what am I gonna be left with? Nothing, <laughs> you know, like, it, I, I think about like, like somebody who's like has has two broken legs and it's just like travels around in a wheelchair like doesn't go to the doctor just has two broken legs and like pops painkillers all the time and it's like I'm fine I'm fine like everything's okay yeah I'm not ever walking or running but like it's okay I, I feel pretty comfortable you know because of the fear that like 
to stand up and realize, oh my gosh, my legs are broken, is painful, you know? And even though, like, you could just go to the doctor and get it cast and get healing, like, we don't want that. We Even the prospect of, of finding out that we're more broken and more empty and more barren than we can even handle is like, uh, please don't ever let me see that. I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. We want to tell ourselves we're okay, I'm happy, I'm happy with my life. Um, and that's fear number one. Fear number two, kind of scary, but like we have this fear that God is not as good as we think he is. Yeah. And we would never admit, I would never say to myself, I think that watching The Office or Parks and Rec is better than Jesus. I would never say that to myself. <laughs> but honestly, like in, in, my, in my mind, you know, I know that if I go and like watch a TV show, no matter how stupid it is, I know I'm going to be at least entertained. You know, whereas if I open up the Bible... I'm scared that I'm going to be bored. I'm scared that, like, that, you know, when I go to encounter God, when I leave behind my comfort in my home and I walk out into the wilderness to, to meet with God, that it's just going to be a desert. That I'm going to find out, oh, my gosh, God is a desert, and, and he's not as good as I thought he was. That's fear number two, you know? And then, and then fear number three, it seems like to be on the opposite end of the spectrum, but I think it's kind of intertwined in a way, it, it's a fear that God is actually better than we thought he was, you know, and that it's all true, and that what's going to happen if I, if I fall in love with an all-consuming fire, I'm going to be consumed, and, and nothing's going to satisfy me anymore, you know, like all the things that I used to enjoy, you know, like just sitting down in front of the TV after a long day, like it's not going to be enjoyable to me anymore because I'm going to know the superior pleasures of, of knowing God. And what's going to happen to me? What, like, what's going to happen to my relationships? What's going to happen when my friends and my family member and like, you know, my significant other doesn't understand this God that I've fallen in love with, you know? And, and like, we had this fear, like, oh my gosh, am I going to be like John the Baptist, like wandering around wearing camel skins? You know what I mean? As much as we admire people like that, we kind of, we're like, oh, that's well and good for them. But I don't really think that that's my calling, you know, or whatever. And we just have this fear of like, you know, the stigma, of, of, of the pain, like it's a painful thing, you know, to to love this God that we can't see with our, our, our eyes or hear with our ears or touch just yet, you know, to, to fall in love with this place, heaven, that's not, we're not there yet, you know, and that's a painful thing to be walking around on this earth and being like, but my heart is like totally with God, but I, but I can't like see him and be with him right now, you know, and so we're afraid of all these things, um, but yesterday, as I was reading through the book of John, God just revealed to me how false all of these fears are. I, I don't want to like spend a long time on it, but like I encourage you to read um, the story of the Samaritan woman. Because as Jesus, like as this God that we want to encounter, this like crazy, uncreated, eternal God, um, in this story, he is fully man. He comes, he sits down by a well, he's tired and thirsty. And he sits down by this well, and this woman comes up to the well, not knowing who he is. He looks at her, looks into her soul, and he speaks to her. And it's crazy that he's speaking to her because he's a Jewish man. She's part of a people group that is looked down upon by Jews. And within that people group, she's looked down upon by her, by her own people, by her own village. 
because she's had this past where she's had like five husbands and she's kind of like, you know, the scarlet letter woman that everybody like shuns. And so she comes to the well when no one else is there because she doesn't want to face people and she's just getting her water. He looks at her, he speaks to her. He's like, give me a drink. And so, you know, she's like, what? Why are you asking me for a drink? And then he starts talking to her about something really deep, living water eternal life. He's like, well, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. Because the kind of water I can give you, you will never thirst again. Uh Okay? He's talking about deep spiritual truths, and she's just like, (laughs) she doesn't get it at all. And I wouldn't have gotten it either. Okay? but And she's like, you're going to give me water? You don't even have a bucket? Do you know that this is a well and it's deep? Um, You know, she's just responding out of, like, earthly logic. And Jesus is not like, oh, you woman who is so unspiritual, don't you get what I'm talking about? He just keeps on talking to her on her own level, you know? He's not impatient with her. He just keeps talking to her. He's like, yeah, I have this living water. If you drink from it, you'll never thirst again. And again, she responds out of her, like, you know, earthly logic. She's like, okay, give me that water so that I don't have to come to the well anymore. And this is so key because... For some reason, even though she doesn't know him, even though she doesn't know who she who he is, she feels like comfortable enough and at ease enough with him to just like talk to him and say, Okay, give me this water. And behind this this request for water is this really much deeper request. Um, she's saying, like, take away my shame. I'm too ashamed to come to the well because I don't want to like meet people who know about my past. So just give me a way out. And you know what? She's not even asking for anything big. Like, that's the biggest thing she knows how to ask for. She's not asking for healing. She's not asking that, like, God would take away the shame she feels for herself. She just wants God to take away, like, the encounters with other people that will make her feel even more ashamed. You know? But even though that's the the biggest thing she has to ask for, she still asks for it, right? And then that's when he says, okay, go find your husband. So he just gets, like, right to the core, you know. And this is, like, our fear of encountering our barrenness, you know. Here, Jesus, he's like, okay, okay, open up your heart. Like, here's what you need. This is, like, how empty and broken you are. But, like, see how he does it in such a gentle way. He's not like, ha-ha, you, you need, you know. He's like, okay, find your husband. So kind, so gentle. You know, and, and that's when she has the courage to be like, I don't have a husband. And she start, you know, she like confesses and he's like, yeah, let me help you with this. I know it's hard to say it. You have had five husbands and the guy you're with right now is not your husband. And, and then she says, okay, I can see that you're a prophet. <laughs> because, and what she means by prophet is that like it, a prophet, you know, is somebody who we think like knows God in a way like beyond how we know him. Like he has like this special connection. So now she has the courage to ask him an even deeper question. We usually think of this as just like a purely theological question, but she says, our forefathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that you should worship in Jerusalem. What, what's the right one? And what she's asking is not some theological question. She's actually asking, like, how can I worship God rightly? How can I be accepted by God? Because that's what she wants more than anything. And finally, she has the courage to ask for that from Jesus. And what does Jesus say to her? He says, believe me, woman, a time is coming and now is where true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Not on a mountain, not in Jerusalem. He's saying, you want acceptance from God? Worship in spirit and truth. Acceptance is yours. Here it is. You know, he holds it out to her. And after that, he says, and by the way, I'm the Messiah. And this is not information that Jesus just, like, hands out to everybody, right? 
Like, even to his disciples, he didn't like really have that conversation with them until much later. But with this woman, the very first time he talks to her, he says, I'm the Messiah. And like, I just think that it's such an amazing allegory for our relationship with God as he leads us through healing, as we like surrender, like that woman was vulnerable to him. As we surrender everything, as we're vulnerable to him, he'll lead us through this process of healing, you know, that ends with like, not a focus on our own bareness, but it ends with a focus on him. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah, he says to us. And like, when he does that, something is broken off of her. And this woman who before was so afraid to even meet other people at the well, what does she do? She goes through the entire city talking to everyone, being like, this man told me everything that I ever did. You know? And and that that's like our third fear, you know, the fear of stigma and being too crazy in love. Like, in this story, we can see it's not something to be afraid of. Because for her, that was a mark of freedom. That was like a crown of freedom that she was able to go through the city not caring about the stigma because she had fallen in love with this Messiah. You know, so like, God just revealed to me how false all of these fears are, these fears that keep us, you know, holding back a little part of our hearts. Whatever, you know, manifestation that may take in each of our lives. For me, it was like going on the internet. And so, yeah, again, I just want to encourage all of us, you know, if you're honest with yourself and you realize that you do have these fears in your hearts that are causing you to hold back, like, tell the Lord, you know, and be honest with him and ask him to take it away, you know, ask him to do something radical in your heart because it's worth it. If you could pray, I, I, listen, I mean, we don't normally go this long, but just, man, this, we could do another altar call. <laughs> I think that this is how it plays out in our lives, just some of the areas of where she was willing to step into that 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 place of sacrifice and just saying, Lord, you know, I, I, I want to give you this time that I, I spend in front of my computer, just and, and, and just to see now... Um, the different things through that that the Lord has revealed to her heart. And I think that that's how this plays out, is just that that effort to partner with God. That effort to say, you know what? I, I know I can do without this. <laughs> and, and your spirit is even probably, in a way, provoking me <laughs> to do without this. So I'm going to put it aside. That's how it plays out. That's how we get to that place of understanding and living, really, a victorious life. I feel like if you pray for us, anything that's in your heart, just to conclude... So yeah, let's just open up our hearts to God right now. Lord, um, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to move through this room right now. Move upon every one of our hearts. Lord, whatever thing 